Mark chapter 10, and uh, again we'll be in verses 46 through 52, and I, I truly am excited to get back in Mark. Um, it was, the Christmas season is fun, and then obviously we did something different the last Sunday of the year, and then um, Adrian preached last week, and uh, I honestly thought when we started Mark at the beginning of January last year that we would probably end um, in December of, of last year, and we're only in chapter 10, and so... We'll look at verses 46 through 52 and finish up chapter 10 this morning. And the title of our time together is Be Like Bartimaeus. Be Like Bartimaeus. I want to pray again, and as we pray, I would ask you to pray that God would speak to our hearts this morning and that we would be obedient to him to follow in the way that he leads us. God, we ask again today that as we come to your word, that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be ready to receive the truths that you have before us in this Last passage of, of Mark's gospel. And God, I pray today that though this is a familiar story, and in, in reality it's a pretty simple story, I pray that we would not just be captured by the simplicity of the, the narrative, but that we would understand the depths of what's going on here as Christ does a miraculous thing in the life of Bartimaeus that changes his life, not just in the temporal way, but for an eternal way. God, I pray that as we see the fruit of this change in Bartimaeus' life, that we would then desire to have this fruit in our lives as well. God, we pray that you'd work in our hearts as, as you see fit, and we trust that, that you know what is good for us. I pray that we would receive it as a good gift this morning as we look into this passage together pray that the Spirit would work in our hearts. Again, you'd receive the glory for what's done this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If we're honest, nobody in the room would probably choose to be Bartimaeus, right? Blindness had taken over his eyes, and with it came poverty and scorn, discomfort, ridicule, and even rejection. Certainly, if any of us could write our own story, these things would never be a part of the plot. But I bet you anything, if you ask Bartimaeus today, if he would change the script of his life, he would say, not in a million years. He was one of many who saw Christ do the unthinkable in his life. Lifelong struggles with broken flesh and wearied bodies and turmoil often found wholeness when Christ passed by. And this is the scenario that's before us today. We don't know much about this man other than what's stated in the text. He lived in or around Jericho. He was blind. He was a beggar. He was the son of Timaeus. He likely had found himself in this same spot daily, begging for enough to get by. But this time, something was different. On this occasion, Bartimaeus took a step that changed his life in some aspects for eternity. He had a choice to make. And when he determined in his mind to make this choice and take this step, he never looked back. But I ask you today, what if he never took that step? What if he never built up the courage or followed the prompting of the Spirit in his life and he just stayed complacent at the side of the road, begging day in and day out for just enough to get by? I wonder, have you had, ever had an opportunity arise in your life or in your mind and you were fighting that war? Should I refrain or should I take part? Should I jump in or should I hold back? You're on the brink of making a life-altering decision, and then you jump in, and your life is forever changed. 
We probably all could experience that in some way, whether it's in a relationship or a job opportunity, or even as we think through the gospel ourselves. And as we've had the positive outcomes when we've jumped in, probably each of us could also share a time where we hesitated and we pulled back and we didn't follow like we should, or we didn't take the move that we felt we should in that moment. As we think about Bartimaeus today, he took the step. He was willing to jump in, not knowing really what the outcome was going to be, but trusting the outcome to the one who had all power and all authority as he walked on this earth, and his name was Jesus. And so as we look at this account today, I would encourage us to be like Bartimaeus in that we follow the prompting of the Spirit of God in our lives. It may be scary. It may seem like you're giving up control or you're leaving what's comfortable for the unknown. It may seem like your next step leads to more confusion than it does clarity. But friend, if God is leading you to take the next step, then you can have confidence that you'll have everything you need along the way. The big idea this morning is this. Bartimaeus is an example of courageous faith. He was willing to cry expectantly, push back unapologetically, and follow faithfully. As we look through this passage today, I pray that God would speak to our hearts, that we would be willing to do these very same things. I want to walk through the passage, and then I want to just pull out three things at the end that hopefully will be a help to us as we think about being like Bartimaeus. The screens, I I don't know if anyone's noticed, but they're going a little crazy the last couple weeks. And uh, please don't let that be a distraction to you this morning. Um, If they get too distracting, we'll just shut them off. I think we've done church without screens before, right? Probably could do it again. As we jump into the passage, verse 46 says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, uh, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Jesus was traveling with his disciples. If you remember back a few passages ago, Jesus had sort of set his face to Jerusalem. He had told his disciples one more time that the time was coming when the Son of Man would be delivered up. He would be persecuted. He would be tried. He would be condemned to death. And he, in fact, would die, but then he would rise again on the third day. And he was gearing his disciples up for what was about to take place. Verse 46 is a little confusing because it says they came to Jericho and then as he went out of Jericho and we don't really know what happened in between. Well, as we think through Bible times, there was actually two Jerichos in that day. There was the old Jericho that had been broken down and destroyed and there was a new Jericho that had built, been built up where, where Herod had built his lavish palaces and, and that was known mostly as Jericho in that time. And so it could be that Mark is relaying to us through Peter that they went through old Jericho and now they're leaving new Jericho and this is where they find Bartimaeus. Another possible solution to the question that verse 46 raises is that when they entered into Jericho, the new Jericho, Bartimaeus was there on the side of the road and Jesus communed with him as they made their way through Jericho until they made it to the other side and then the miracle kind of took place at the end. In, in the end, it doesn't really matter. We know that Jesus was in the region of Jericho. This is where Bartimaeus found himself, and this is where the miracle happened. And so Jesus, as he's walking with his disciples, and as he's walking with this great crowd of people, we see that they are then introduced to this man named Bartimaeus. And as I said, we don't know much about him, other than that he was the son of Timaeus, We don't know who that is either, and that he was blind, and that he was a beggar waiting beside the road. How long had this blindness plagued him? 
maybe from birth. Maybe it was something that happened in his life that took his sight away. Regardless, it doesn't really matter. We know that he was blind. Was Bartimaeus married? Did he have kids? Did he live near or with his family? Again, we don't know these things, but we do know this. He was a real man who faced a real challenge. And lots of times we elevate somebody's challenge because of the, the surroundings in their lives. So if, if somebody is sick and they have a family, we almost look at that as more of a tragedy than somebody who's just sick without family. Friend, sickness is sickness regardless of, of what your circumstances look like. And so we don't need to know everything about Bartimaeus, but we just take what we do know, that he was a real man who lived in a real time and he suffered with real blindness. Verse 47 says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He heard Jesus was coming. If you think this was Passover time as they made their way to Jerusalem, and so the streets would have been busier than normal. There would have been crowds and crowds of people who were also traveling in that way. And Mark tells us that it was Jesus and his disciples and a great crowd that had attached themselves to that group. And so I'm sure there was a lot of commotion. There was a lot of chatter. There was a lot of words being spoken, and somehow in all of that, blind Bartimaeus picked up on this truth that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And when he heard that truth, though he had never seen this man, and though likely he had never met this man, he had heard stories of what Jesus was able to do. And upon hearing that Jesus was coming, he cried out and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. This wasn't an emotional cry. It wasn't that he was crying like me at times, uncontrollably, but rather it was an emphatic cry. It was bold. It was deliberate. It was tenacious. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. His cry is interesting, isn't it? And in his cry, he is, he is painting an understanding for those around him of the truth of who Jesus was. You see, many had simply attached themselves to Jesus because he did really cool things. But what is Bartimaeus declaring in this moment? That the true king of Israel has arrived and his name is Jesus. He is the son of David. He is the Messiah. He is the one who will have and does have all power and authority. And in that moment, Bartimaeus is crying out for Jesus to have mercy on him. This was not a generic cry where Bartimaeus is just saying, I need help. But it's a very specific cry as he says, Jesus, I need you. He wasn't looking for an average or common man to speak to him or to assist him, but he was looking for God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, to do a miracle in his life. And he cried to Jesus in this way because he believed that Jesus was able. Now at this point in his life, Bartimaeus didn't know if Jesus would, but he believed Jesus was able. He was willing to take a shot and crying out in this way that Jesus would do this thing for him. In verse 48, as Bartimaeus is crying, the Bible says, and many charged him that he should hold his peace. Imagine that. Here's this blind man sitting beside the road and this great crowd of people is walking and Jesus is probably in the center, not by his choice, but because everyone was trying to get as close to him as possible. And so they had surrounded Jesus and they're walking down the road and Bartimaeus hears, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And so he begins to cry, have mercy on me. And as the people around Bartimaeus, as the people in the crowd hear him, what do they say? Basically, they tell him to shut up. 
Bartimaeus, who are you? Jesus doesn't want you. You're a blind man. You have nothing to offer him. You're not a rich young ruler. That's who Jesus is looking for, right? Well, what did we see a couple of weeks ago? That it was the rich young ruler who walked away sorrowful because his heart was filled with pride. But here's a poor and lowly beggar who understands that he has a need that only Jesus can fix. And so he cries out. The crowd is saying, stop talking. The crowd is saying, be quiet. The crowd is saying, hold your peace. They're probably trying to drown him out. And so the, the, the murmuring around Jesus in that moment gets louder. It increases. But that doesn't stop Bartimaeus, does it? If they thought he was crying out loudly before, just tell a blind man who knows Jesus is passing by to be quiet and see how loud he really gets. Have you ever told one of your children or a child or maybe your spouse, I don't recommend this, but... Just calm down, right? It's okay. Don't, don't be so loud. What typically happens when you say that? Things get amped up a little bit, right? Whether for the good or for the bad, we'll leave it at that. You can figure it out in your mind. Things get amped up. And so when they tell Bartimaeus to be quiet, what does it say? He began to cry out in, in verse 48. He cried out the more. And then what does it say? A great deal. So if they thought he was loud before, if they thought he was annoying before, more than ever now, he was bellowing at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, this wasn't an annoying cry. He wasn't trying to get the attention of others. He was just trying to get the attention of Jesus because he believed that Jesus could do for him what nobody else could do. J.C. Ryle says this, Bartimaeus was blind in body, but not in soul. He couldn't see, but God had opened the eyes of his heart and the eyes of his mind to understand that there was something significant about this man who was passing by. And as Bartimaeus was crying out, certainly it was with great desire that Jesus would stop by and do something for him. As we said, Jesus was passing by this way because in one sense, the Passover was approaching. His passion or the cross was coming rapidly, and this was his time to go. But why was Bartimaeus there? Well, we know he was probably there daily, but do you think God had a great plan for Christ passing by in this moment when Bartimaeus was there? Could Bartimaeus have been late that morning? Maybe somebody tripped him on his way into town and he hurt his leg, and so therefore he couldn't make it there on time. Friend, we must understand that God had a divine appointment for Bartimaeus. It's kind of like the story of Zacchaeus, right? Did God know that Zacchaeus would be in the crowd, a little short man who couldn't see over the crowd, and so he would have to climb a tree, and that Jesus would pass by that specific tree? He certainly did. And friend, may I ask you today, did God know where you would be the moment you would hear the gospel and it clicked in your heart and mind? He absolutely did. And so as this was a divine appointment by God, friend, our salvation was also a divine appointment by God, that God was bringing things together so that we could understand the truth. And here this man was, a common annoyance to those who passed by, who was probably now a more intense annoyance, but Bartimaeus didn't care because he knew he needed Jesus. Bartimaeus is crying out the more as he cries out a great deal more. Verse 49 is, is really a beautiful verse. The Bible says, and Jesus stood still. Now think for a moment. What was in the heart, of my, heart and mind of Christ at this point in his life? 
He's thinking about the cross. He's thinking about the suffering that he would face, the the things that he would bear as one who would die in the place of sinners. He's thinking about the separation that would take place as he died for the sins of humanity, taking those sins upon himself, being separated from his father for a period of time. He's thinking through all these things about how his disciples would flee, how how Judas would would betray him and, and Peter would deny him and how everyone would leave him alone. He's thinking about all those things because remember, while he was a man, he was still very God of very God and he had full knowledge of everything that would take place. And yet when he hears the cry of this beggar amongst the murmur, amongst the crowd, what does our Savior do? He stands still. Do you know, friend, that a genuine cry of faith always catches the heart of God? Every time. A genuine cry of faith always catches the heart of God. Have we not seen that in Mark's gospel so far? Have we not seen time and time again where the insignificant and the poor and the overlooked cry out to Jesus and Jesus stops what he's doing to take care of their need? And that's exactly what takes place today. And we understand this in salvation. But friend, do we also understand this as children of God? See, God does not desire us to pray vain prayers full of emptiness that hit the ceiling and bounce back down to where we are. God desires that we would pray a prayer of faith. That we would pray in faith, believing that God was able to do the very things that we ask him to do. But he also desires that we pray a prayer of faith that if he doesn't do those things that we ask, that we're still going to follow him and we're still going to believe. Many get turned off to the idea of Jesus because Jesus doesn't do what they want. Friend, Jesus is not obligated to do what I want him to do. And in reality, he might do what I want him to do, but very seldom is it done in the way that I want him to do it. So Bartimaeus didn't come to Jesus on this day and say, hey, I want you to do this, this, and this in this way with these steps, and I want this to be the end result at this specific time. Let's not kid ourselves. We often pray like that. It's not wrong to pray in detailed prayer by faith, But if you're counting on your plan, then you are on God's plan. That's when those prayers become a problem. And so here Bartimaeus is. He's crying out. And Jesus stands still. Verse 49 continues. When Jesus stops, imagine that. The crowd's probably thinking, what is going on? Maybe some are saying, oh, he's going to give this blind man a piece of his mind. He's going to tell this blind man that he doesn't have time for these shenanigans. It's just a little blindness. Get over it and move on. Jesus stands still and then he commands those that are around him to call Bartimaeus and bring him to him. Scratching their heads, people go to Bartimaeus and possibly even some of the ones who were saying, hey, you be quiet, are now going to Bartimaeus and saying, hey, be of good comfort. Jesus wants you to come to him. You ever had to eat your hat before? I'm sure that took place in this scenario. As their pride got crushed because they thought they knew the plan of God, they went and called Bartimaeus, and they say, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. When Bartimaeus heard those words, no doubt his his heart began pounding. An interaction with Jesus. An interaction with this man that I've heard of, though I've never seen him. I believe that he's able to do what I I need him to do in my life. Uh, An interaction with the true king of Israel an interaction with the Messiah? 
So what does he do? He, he stays at the side of the road for another 10 minutes processing all these things in his heart and mind. No, he gets up. The Bible says that he casts off or casts away his garment and he rose and he came to Jesus. And that picture of him casting off his garment is a beautiful picture of us casting off our self-reliance, us casting off the things that we have held on to for so long, casting off the things that we have identified with and the things that we have allowed to identify us, casting those things off. He came to where Jesus was excitedly with anticipation in his heart and mind, believing that this was the day that he would receive his sight. He came with reckless abandon, without concern. He came to Jesus. And I would ask us this morning, have we cast away these very things in our heart and mind? Have we cast away the things in our lives that are holding us back? Are we casting away the things that are hindering us from coming to Christ in the first place? In verse 51, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee. Imagine being Bartimaeus in that moment. Now think about this with me. There are often times in life where we know what we want, but we'll take what we can get, right? So you're offering me money, and I say, I want a million dollars. Inside my heart and mind, I'm thinking, but I take 100,000, right? Um, if I'm really hungry, I want a steak. But if I'm really hungry, I'll take a hot dog, right? So I know what I want, but I'll lower my expectation because I don't really know if that thing is going to be a reality, and this is what I'll take. So Bartimaeus had a choice in this moment, didn't he? Jesus says, what will you that I, that I should do for you? And he's thinking, man, I'm blind. It would be really awesome to receive my sight. But what if that's too big of an ask? Maybe I should just say, hey, can you give me a little financial assistance? Can you, can you give me some security for my family? Maybe some housing. Can you give me some new garments? As you can see, the garment I cast off is pretty ratty. And, and, and can, you, can you do some of these lesser things for me? And do you know, I believe that's one of the reasons why we as Christians often don't see God work in our lives. Because God is saying, what is it that you need? And we say, well, this is what I want, but this is what I'll take. I was talking to my brother uh, about this. He was telling me about a church who every year they raised money for missions, and the, the pledges would come in, and it would be you know, X amount of thousands of dollars. And they would take that, and they would look at it and say, well, we see that that's what people say they're going to give, but we should probably lower our expectation and make our budget off of this amount. You know what's crazy in that? is that church was saying, hey, we want you to pray about this. We want you to, to look to God and say, God, what would you have me to give? And then we want you to pledge that amount. We're asking you to take a step of faith. But what was the church doing? Not taking the very same step of faith. They're saying, this is what we want, but this is what we'll take. And friend, anytime we approach God like that, God may do what we ask, but the reality is we also may miss out on what we didn't ask him for. One of the things I, I want to do in the near future with our church is go through some of the major prayers in the Bible. Why? Because these great prayers of faith are models for us to look at and say, man, these people prayed this way and this is how God answered. Now, did every prayer in the Bible get answered in the way that they prayed? No, but many of them did. Some of them didn't and guess what? The people still were willing to do. 
to follow God even though they didn't get what they wanted. And so as we think about praying big prayers, as we think about Bartimaeus here, he, he had an opportunity to put his request at the feet of Christ. And he had a, an opportunity to, to dwindle that down or to, to pull it apart to get a few different things. But when he was asked the question, he said, I'm going big or I'm going home. And when Jesus says, what will you that I should do for you? What does Bartimaeus say? I want to see. I want my eyes to be open. I want to experience what everybody else has gotten to experience in life. I want to see the sunshine and I want to see the face of my kids and I want to see my spouse and I want to see the beauty of your creation. Christ, I want to see. I want to see. And in that moment, as Christ asked him, what should I do for you? Bartimaeus makes a big ask. But he's asking the right person to do this thing because Christ alone could do it. Now think through this again. What if this crowd passing by and the people that were telling Bartimaeus to be quiet, what if Jesus passed by and there was a group of people that hung back and said, hey, let's play a joke on this blind man. Let's take advantage of it. Let's pretend that one of us is Jesus and let's pretend that we're going to do what he wants us to do. How, how cruel would that be? But you understand that those things take place all the time. But you know what Bartimaeus didn't do? He didn't play out all the scenarios of what could be happening. He just took by faith that God was in his presence in that moment. And you know what we're guilty of oftentimes? This is too good to be true. Eh, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Eh. What if somebody's just trying to take advantage of me? Uh, what if it doesn't really work out? And because we have frail hearts and minds, we overthink a scenario, and instead of following God in the way that God has allowed us, we hold back. But Bartimaeus didn't hold back. He simply says, I want to see. In verse 52, the Bible says, And Jesus said to him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the Bible continues and says, and immediately, one of Mark's favorite words, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Jesus, I just want to see. I want to have my sight back. And immediately Jesus says, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And his eyes opened and he saw things that he never saw before. His eyes opened and he saw his healer face to face. His eyes opened and he saw the faces of those who were telling him to be quiet. His eyes were opened and he saw the side of the road that he had probably sat on day in and day out. His eyes were opened and everything that he had longed for had now become a reality. Bartimaeus could see. His sight was restored. And what does he do? He just simply begins to follow Jesus. What would you do if that was you? Your sight is restored after not being able to see for who knows how long. Wouldn't you go and see some things that you really wanted to see? But when Bartimaeus' eyes were opened, he saw the thing that he needed, and that was Jesus. And when Jesus captured his vision, when Jesus 
captured his attention, what does Bartimaeus say? The only thing I can do now is follow him. He leaves his beggar's cloak behind, maybe his tin that he was shaking for money. He leaves those things behind. He leaves his fears behind. He leaves his doubts behind. He leaves the ridicule from others behind. He leaves the the discomfort of being blind and having to be led and, and tripping on things. He leaves all those things behind and said, my life is new and now I'm going to follow the one who healed me. And friend, if that's not a picture of true discipleship and salvation, I don't know what is. If you've been healed here today, do you know what the master desires from you? Do you know what the master desires from me? That I would simply follow him. So the call this morning is to simply be like Bartimaeus. Recognize your need. Recognize the one who has power in your life and is more than abundantly able to do the things that you need done. And then if you're a child of God, recognize your position in this life as a mere follower of Christ. We don't know this for sure, but There are some in history who say that from this point, Bartimaeus followed Christ to the cross. And after the cross, Bartimaeus was an integral part of the the church in Jerusalem where he faithfully served until he died. And while I don't know if that's true, I see how it could be true. Because Christ has changed his life. And friend, if you're here today, Christ has changed your life if you're a child of God question that I ask you is, are you following him? So I said, I have three things I want to pull out. And you say, that was enough of a sermon. Let's just go home. Um, Three things that I want to pull out quickly, and then we will be on our way. The first one is this. Bartimaeus had heard of what Jesus could do, and he cried with expectancy because he believed his problems were no match for the Messiah. All his life, He thought about this idea of the promised one coming. He'd heard the stories. He'd heard the scriptures. He'd heard the teachings. And then, three and a half years ago, this man comes on the scene who begins to do these incredible things, who by his very nature and the things he was accomplishing was in reality fulfilling prophecies in the Old Testament, that the eyes of the blind would be opened, that he would come in this way, that he would come to these people, that he would do these things. And Bartimaeus' heart grew in expectancy as he longed to meet this one. And then as he heard of Jesus, as he heard what Jesus had done, and as he heard Jesus was coming his way, he began to cry with expectancy because he knew his problems were no match for the Messiah. And friend, in two ways I want to explain this. If you're here today and you have never trusted Christ, then understand this, your sins are no match for the Messiah. You may say, you don't know what I've done, and you're right, I don't, but God does, and your sins are no match for the Messiah. When he died on the cross, he took upon himself the sins of the world so that he could be the payment for sins. That means everything that you had done wrong was put on Christ so that you could be forgiven. It's no longer, how, how can I accomplish this? What can I do? What needs to be done on my part? Jesus has done it all. And if you're wondering on how you can be saved today, come to Jesus. Amen. Come to him. Cry with a cry of expectancy. Lord, I need you to save me. And you know what he'll do? When he hears a genuine cry of faith, he will make you a child of the king. 
Do you believe? The other way I'd like us to understand this is believer. Who are you trusting for your trials? We know that everything that comes into our lives passes through the mind and the hands of God. If he wants to stop something, what will he do? Stop it in a moment. So the things that come into our lives are there for a divine purpose. And yet so often, so many of us think that we have to navigate our way through these things, through our own power and through our own efforts. Do you know what Bartimaeus understood about his physical limitations? That there was nothing he could do. Could a blind man make himself unblind? Can a leper change his spots? No. No. Can you get rid of sickness in your life? You can take medicine, but unless God wants that sickness to go away, what are you going to be stuck with? That sickness. So as Bartimaeus understood his limitations in his life, he understood that there was one who was in control of these things, and he chose to turn to Jesus. The faith in Bartimaeus' heart was, was real. And as he cried to Christ, he, he asked in faith, not wavering. He asked in faith because asking outside of faith would be sin. And it reminds me of the prayer of Jabez. And we won't turn there, but in First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10, what is Jabez's prayer? He says, enlarge my borders and keep me from harm. And what does God do? He grants it. Why? Because Jabez had faith. And that's what God wanted for Jabez. That prayer of Jabez has been used so often out of context to say, hey, just ask God and you'll get whatever you want. No, ask God according to his will and what will you get? You'll get what he wants. You'll get what he wants. But the key is asking in faith. And I don't know what trial you're in. I don't know what thing you're facing. But faith is not simply a thing at the beginning of our Christian lives. It's, it is our Christian life. Daily walking by faith, daily trusting him, daily looking to him. You see, Bartimaeus uh, had, had heard of what Jesus could do, and he cried with expectancy because he believed his problems were no match for the Messiah. Do you know, friend, today that your problems are no match for the Messiah? And though he may not accomplish the things that you want him to accomplish in your way and in your time, do you realize that one day you will be delivered from these things? So have faith. Texting somebody in the church this week about how things have, have changed in a situation in their life. And it's an answered prayer. You know how long they've been praying for things to get better? A long time. And when did God work? In his time and in his way. So we cry with expectancy because we believe he's able. We cry with expectancy because we are his children. If you've ever been in a house at night where a kid is, is scared or fearful and they cry out, they cry out, Mom, Dad! And what is it in their cry? They're expecting you to do what? To come to them. And do you realize today that even if God doesn't take away our trial, when we cry a cry of faith, we are linked to him in a more intimate way than ever before because we're trusting that he is able. So Bartimaeus had heard of what Jesus could do. And he cried with expectancy because he believed his problems were no match for the Messiah. Church, in 2024, can I encourage us to pray big prayers? Why? Because God is able. 
He's not just able to do what we ask. He's able to do above what we ask. Five years ago, when, when Bruce retired and, and I started pastoring the church, one of the things that Dan Fisk brought to our attention was to dream big. Why? Because God can do big things. Does it mean he's going to do those big things? It doesn't. But I'd rather pray with expectancy than pray in doubt. I'd rather pray with expectancy and God, I know you can, but even if you don't, I'm going to follow you rather than saying, God, I know you probably don't have the time. I know you probably don't want to. Pray big prayers. Pray with expectancy, believing that God can. That's what Bartimaeus did. The second thing we see is that Bartimaeus was aware of what people were saying, but he was willing to push against the opinion of the crowd in order to follow the prompting of the Spirit. Have you ever shared somebody shared with somebody your heart and say, I, I believe this is what God wants me to do. And their response was, well, that's weird. People are negative. We talk about the, the, the secular world, the unsaved world being negative. There's a lot of Christians who are negative. You tell them what you think God is leading you to do, leading you to do, and they're like, "Well, I just don't see how it can happen, brother. I don't see God making good on that wish you have, or that pipe dream, or that hope. I don't see God doing any of those things. Do you know who I want to be surrounded with? That when I pray a big prayer, people who believe God with me that He will do that thing, and if He doesn't do it, do you know who I want to be surrounded with?" People that bolster me in this idea, hey, God's got a different plan. God's got a different plan. Bartimaeus was aware of what people were saying. Hey, blind man, be quiet. Hey, blind man, the master doesn't have time for you. Hey, blind man, nobody even really cares about you. He heard what people were saying, but he pushed past the opinion of the crowd in order to follow the prompting of the Spirit. And you know what we need as believers we need a determination that says, hey, even if nobody stands with me, I'm still going to take a stand. Even if nobody believes me, I'm still going to follow through. Even if nobody's with me, I'm still going to take that next step. And I don't know what your next step is, but I believe with all my heart that if you're alive and breathing and you're a child of God, then God has a next step for you. And I want you to know that if you come to me and say, hey, this is what I believe my next step is, as long as it's not sinful, I'll back you 100%. Why? Because I don't want to be a negative naysayer in your life. I want to be somebody who cheers you along and encourages you to follow God in the way that he calls you to follow him. Do you know I'm glad as a pastor that I don't have to figure out your lives? So many pastors pastor with a rod of iron and people have to come to their pastor for everything. Hey, this is, this, I, I need your permission and I need your approval. Friend, you don't need my permission and approval if you have God's permission and approval. I'll stand with you. If I think you're going astray, I'll say something. But it'll be out of love, not out of hate. So Bartimaeus was aware of what people were saying, but he pushed past the negative opinions of the crowd to follow the prompting of the Spirit. And as we said, who was it that had aligned Jesus and Bartimaeus being in the same place at this time, it was God. And as Bartimaeus felt in his heart, hey, this is the time, he followed through with that request, <clears throat> and he saw great 
rewards because of it. As I said a moment ago, if you're here today, you may say or others may say to you, you can't be saved. But I'm reminded of what the old hymn writer says, come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Will you come to him today? You may feel like you don't deserve salvation. And guess what, friend? That's a good place to be because you don't. But God is willing. Will you come to him? For those of us who are saved, you may be doubting even in your own heart and mind what God wants you to do because fear has gripped you. Can I encourage you to cast away the fear as Bartimaeus cast away the garment and follow Christ by faith. Cling to the Savior. Resist the enemy enemy's voices. The flesh certainly is weak, but what does Jesus say? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if God leads you to do something, I am 100% confident that God will provide for you to do that thing every step of the way. Why is it that missionaries can leave America, America and go to other parts of the world and see great works accomplished because they believe God? And maybe, just maybe, God is calling us to believe him a little more today. Not in a weird way where we speak it and God has to do it, but in a faithful way where we follow the prompting of the Spirit in our lives to take that next step. And the final thing this morning is this. Bartimaeus had his life changed by Jesus and the fruit of this was seen in his following. I mentioned this earlier, but what would you do if your sight had just been restored? Brianna and I were talking recently about some things that we want to see in life. And, you know, sometimes I think we'll we'll get to see those things when we don't have kids, because I don't know if you've realized this, kids are expensive. (laughs) Traveling with kids is crazy expensive, especially when you've got four of them. Um, So who knows? We might just plan a trip and leave the kids behind. Can I poll the audience right now? (laughs) Who thinks it would be rude of me to leave my kids behind to take a trip with my wife. Raise your hand. I just want to know who not to talk to. (laughs) Oh, good. Nobody thinks that way. Nobody thinks that way. There's things I want to see. There's things that I want to experience in life. If I get to do them, fantastic. If I don't, guess what? There's better things waiting for me when I get to heaven. But if I was blind my whole life, I wouldn't be thinking about going and seeing the Grand Canyon. I wouldn't be thinking about going and seeing uh, Yosemite National Park or, or the Grand Tetons or anything like that. Do you know what I would be thinking about seeing? My wife. My kids. The people who faithfully helped me day in and day out when I suffered with an illness that I could not repair or fix myself. I'd want to see the place that I lived. What color is my couch, actually? They told me it was blue, but is it really blue? There's a lot of things that I'd want to see that were not big things. They'd just be ordinary things. And yet when Bartimaeus' sight was restored, what did he do? He followed. He got in that crowd of people the people that were telling him, hey, Jesus doesn't have time for you. Hey, hold your peace. Jesus doesn't want anything to do with you. And isn't it interesting that when the gospel takes root, 
We're able to look past the problems that we had previously had in our lives and make our focus what our theme was last year, Jesus only. And when Bartimaeus, his eyes were opened and he saw his Savior face to face, he followed Jesus in the way. He became a disciple. He cast off that cloak and he went to Jesus. And as we think about our lives, I wonder, are we following? I mean, are we really following? Sure, we're here on a Sunday morning in January of 2024, but are we really following Jesus? If someone was to examine our lives, would they say, hey, you are a Christ follower? Or would they say, hey, you're just one of those people that goes to church on Sunday? Am I really following Jesus? Bartimaeus didn't go to Jesus at that point and say, hey, Jesus, I know you've got to go to Jerusalem, but these are the things that I think you should do instead. Peter tried to do that, and what did Jesus tell Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. You savor the things of men over the things of God. And what was Bartimaeus savoring in this moment? The Savior who had changed his life. I enjoy reading the Old Testament, but I love reading the New Testament. You see, the Old Testament reveals to us the Christ who was coming. The New Testament reveals to us the Christ who came. And while I think it's beautiful to see the pictures that were painted by God as he outlined for us the Savior of the world that would one day come, and we can see God's providence and God's hand working in ways that, that blow our minds and We can see his forgiveness and his love for his people in the Old Testament. When you see Jesus, things change. And isn't that why Simeon said, I can die now because my eyes have seen the Lord's Christ. And so I'll encourage you, church, read the Old Testament. (laughs) But live in the reality of Christ. And when you live in the reality of Christ, your life will indeed change. Why? Because you'll see your Savior just as Simeon did, or as as Bartimaeus did. So Bartimaeus had his life changed by Jesus, and the fruit of it was seen in his following. I wonder, is there fruit in your life that you're following Jesus? How are you serving him? How are you making him known? If you were to ask my kids, and I was to ask your kids or your spouse or your coworkers, would they say that I live, that you live a duplicitous life? Put on your Sunday best, including your Jordan 5s, right, Austin? Jordan 5s. But then the rest of the week, I, I live how I want to live. Bartimaeus followed in the way, and his following was the fruit of of his faith. I wonder today, are we truly following Jesus? This day didn't go as planned, did it? Bartimaeus woke up and struggled to to get going probably, and maybe he had to have somebody lead him there. I would imagine so. It would be pretty hard to find your way to this spot on this day. He sat down and he heard a crowd, and he was thinking probably at first, oh man, there's a crowd coming These people have money. They're on their way to the Passover. They're probably a little more generous this time of year. Maybe I'll get a few extra bucks. Instead of getting a few extra bucks, the man received his sight. And he didn't receive his sight because he was good. 
He received his sight because the Savior is good. Can I tell you today, the Savior is still good. He has been and he always will be. I wonder today, have you come to the Savior? Again, this is the third time I've hit it. But if you're here today and you don't know Christ, friend, do you realize that Jesus likely didn't pass by this point again while he was on this earth? What if Bartimaeus said, I'll wait until next time? If that was the case, then there would have been no next time. And you may be sitting in your seats today saying, I'll, I'll wait till next Sunday. It's snowing out. Well, maybe it's not anymore. But it was. That means I've got to go home and clean up a little bit. I'll, I'll just let Dan finish up and we can go home. Friend, if the Savior is passing by, cry out to the Savior. Recognize your need and cling to Him. If you have questions about how Christ can be your Savior, I'll talk to you after the service. Would love to do that, but it's just simply something like this. God, I recognize I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to save me. It's not fancy words. It's not a fancy prayer. It's just a genuine cry of faith. And as we said earlier, a genuine cry of faith always catches the heart of God. <clears throat> Maybe you're here today and you are saved. And you say, man, 2024 did not start out like I hoped it would. Roadblocks and challenges, trials, inconveniences. Lots of times we chalk that up as just being life, and it is. We live in a fallen world. But friend, what if those roadblocks and challenges are actually God trying to get your attention because you're going the wrong way. What does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And while that is talking about salvation, friend, it's also talking about our daily lives as believers to walk the narrow way. I wonder, would you follow Christ today, trusting Him to do what's best with your obstacles and challenges, trusting Him to make sense over what, out of what doesn't make sense? Would you trust in Him as you take your next step? We have a blessed privilege as being children of God, don't we? We can call out to the King anytime we want. I wonder this morning, how do we need to cry out to the King? How do we need to surrender to His authority? How do we need to submit to Him to ensure that we can be like Bartimaeus who in turn found his life looking just like Christ's as he followed him in the way. God, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts. May you use our time together for your honor and glory. God, may we be humble to understand that we don't deserve this great salvation, but you have given it to us because you're a great Savior. God, if there's any here today who have never trusted Christ, may, may they humble themselves today and say, Jesus, I need you to save me. For those of us who are saved, God, I pray that we would humbly walk in the way, following our Savior with every step that he takes. Thank you for the change you've made in our lives. May we live in a way that proves that change to the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we sing? If you have questions about how Christ can be your Savior, I'll meet you at the back of the church.